Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 131 of the Talking Chop podcast, the celebration edition, the first time in the history of the podcast, celebration edition, and uh, fittingly, the longest tenured member of the Talking Chop staff, I believe this is correct, uh, the great Scott Coleman. What's up, man? What's up, Brad? It's going to be a fun one. Glad uh, five years. It's been a long time coming. Yeah, I mean, I'm old, so five years doesn't seem like as long as it used to seem. Like, for instance, you know, my life was kind of how it is now, five years ago. But there's people on our staff that were like in college or like in high school well, the last time yeah. the Braves, Braves were in the playoffs. Like I know in talking to Carlos, old friend of the program, old co-host of the program, like his life was very different five years ago <laughs> than it is now. Um, you and I are a little bit older, but it's a situation where that's just a long time, man. And obviously there really wasn't a situation where the Braves even threatened this in the last four years, especially. I mean, five, I guess the first year they were out of the playoffs, things got really bad late. Um, and there was some chances during the season, but the last four seasons, there's really been no hint of this. And of course, um, no one thought this was going to happen. <laughs> That's something we should definitely acknowledge early on. We were wrong. I was wrong. Uh, you know, we were all wrong. Basically, I, I didn't see a single person. Maybe, maybe you did, but I didn't see a single person mm-hmm. that I would say that I trust or that I think was, you know, using their actual rational mind pick the Braves to make the playoffs. Much less oh. win the National League East. So, uh, wild yeah. ride to be sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think we probably talked that you know six months ago that if you could talk us into them making a wild card spot now of course neither of us predicted that nor were many people predicting it but it wouldn't have been the most outlandish thing in the world to say yeah i think they can contend for a wild card spot and make things interesting if a few things break their way but there there wasn't a person out there who who truly thought unless unless you really had the the rose-colored glasses on as a fan i don't think there was anybody out there who really thought they would not only win the east but honestly win the east easily with more than yeah. a week to go uh it it really and, and of course it helps that that philadelphia collapsed and the nats are uh just not happening this year but uh it wasn't one of those situations where it went down to the very last last day or two of the season it was it was pretty convincing the entire way through yeah i mean shouts to the nationals who uh underperformed all season long um, but yeah philly made it easy made it easier than we thought it was going to be in the last couple of weeks yeah we've been chronicling like you know, you know, I, I would probably say the last month or more, every every podcast we spent at least you know five minutes on like where the division race was and all that fun stuff. And until a week ago, maybe maybe two weeks ago, but I would say until a week ago, it wasn't comfortable. And then Philly just kept losing, um, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> and the Braves finally took advantage of it to a, to a certain degree. But I think the Braves have kind of played the way they played for a while. Like it wasn't like the Braves went on this torrid hot streak. 
Um, it's been up and down, a little bit hot and cold, but Philly just kind of cratered, and that really was helpful. I do think, and for a while now, we've, we've been picking the Braves to make the playoffs, especially and to win the National League East for, you know, probably a month plus, like outright picking it. Like, you know, early in the year, as you mentioned, April, May, even into June, it was like, all right, the Braves are going to, you know, maybe hang around here the whole season long. And uh, there, at some point, it was like, maybe the Braves are favored now to make the playoffs. And then, yeah, at some point, it was like, maybe they're going to win the East. And then it became, they're going to win the East, I think. And now, yeah. obviously, it's yeah. done. So it's kind of a weird progression because it was, you know, rightly, I think, we kept our guard up for a while. But in the end, sure. clinching, clinching a week before the season ends is like pretty wild, honestly. So yeah. there you go. Yeah, no, it's, it's crazy. If you think about it, someone had a great stat. Uh, the Phillies were a game and a half up in the East uh, coming into August 6th. So what is that, six, wow. seven weeks ago? Yeah, uh, seven weeks ago. So a game and a half, and the Braves are now nine and a half up on Philly. So they've gained 11 games since August 6th, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, and again, a lot of that goes to Philly just cratering, but the Braves yeah. do, do what they needed to do. They, they took care of business, and at this moment, the Braves still have the third best uh, run, run differential in the National League, so nothing nothing fluky about this. You know, they've yeah. outscored opponents by more than 100 runs this season, and then now won, they've now won five in a row at a perfect time. So, again, nothing fluky about it, but uh, we'll obviously talk a lot about what's happened this year over the course of this podcast and then moving forward there'll be plenty of playoff stuff to come i promise but um let's talk about what happened this week just real quick i guess the you know the clincher was obvious saturday it was a fun game the Braves took that 4-0 lead and it was kind of like oh they're going to do this and they and they held on there you know the celebration uh, kind of weirdly the game was not broadcast like on their on the normal local station which made it a little bit interesting locally they did a, they did a lot of post-game coverage um fox sports braves was tweeting out a lot of stuff but um I would say probably unfortunately for at least local fans, it doesn't really bother me much, but I can tell people that are like actual, just, you know, pure fans. I think I've crossed over into the sort of pundit area. It's where it's not quite as raw as it used to be for me, but at the same time, I would have probably liked to have seen, you know, the local coverage from wall to wall, even though I'm not the yeah. biggest fan of the broadcast, I will say always. Um, but at the same time, just having it on a sort of a national TV game was kind of strange, even though obviously, um, you know, the, the celebration was fun afterwards. Not only that, but, I watched, of course, not being a local and right. <laughs> being blacked out on Fox. That yeah, I watched on MLB TV, and within about a minute after they clinched, they ended the they ended the feed. So I was left kind of as everyone was looking at on social media for live videos for and whatnot. Video, so yeah. That was that was unfortunate, but and I get it. I get that Fox has other things going on, and um, and, and they don't necessarily have a designated, you know, playoff celebration stream somewhere. So <laughs> that was a bit of a bummer, but, um, I, I guess it is what it is, but yeah, it was, it felt kind of like it was robbing a little bit from, from Chip and Joe. And as you said, I'm, I'm far from a fan of theirs, but the fact that they've watched so much bad baseball the last four or five seasons, uh, for them not to be able to call it and, and everything like that, uh, was a little bit of a, I'm sure a bummer for them. And, and from a fan perspective, it was a, a bummer as well, but all good. It, it, it is what it is. And I'm, I'm certainly glad it, it was over Saturday. Uh, they took today off and, and still won, of course. Um, they'll have Monday off to, to relax and then go into the final week of hopefully just kind of a dress rehearsal before the NLDS. Yeah, and we'll talk about the stuff they need to watch for this week. I do think it was uh, admittedly hilarious that both Freeman and Marquecas played today. Um, the yep. two guys that uh, probably needed to break more than anybody are still on the lineup on Sunday. That made me laugh heartily when I saw that come out. It uh, doesn't really matter that much in the grand scheme, but uh, I had a good laugh that they decided to rest everyone but the guys who needed to rest. Yeah, I think that, that it chance. It was nice that you know everyone was like, why would they move Marquecas second? I think it was obviously, as we saw, it was just a way for them to get in at bat each before pulling them out, but 
yeah, yeah, I, I kind of laughed myself when I saw it. It's like, man, are they are they really going to play him a whole <laughs> yeah, nine I, innings I, today? It yeah. was amusing. Yeah, but it's all good. I mean, I think you you saw even nationally. Uh, as some tweets started coming out from Arcakis with everyone shaking hands with him, uh, some of his former Oriole teammates, um, I think Adam Jones tweeted something too that you know he's just kind of the consummate professional and very well respected. And I think I think from a performance standpoint, we've all seen Arcakis's big first half and then he slowed down a bit in the second half. But it is undeniable his impact that he's had on the clubhouse and, and the respect that he's garnered from everyone there. So uh, yeah, it was a nice way to kind of salute freddie and nick on, on their last home game of the regular season to be sure and i think it's we've done a pretty good job i think on this podcast pointing that out even though we talk you know we handle these guys like you know analytically we're, we're talking about mostly their performance you know 99 percent of this podcast is going to be about what we can see on the field and you know talking about that in that way but you have to point out that you know Marcakis is someone that everybody respects that i've ever talked to or heard from or players have said publicly or privately that i've heard you know secondhand and everybody seems to love him and obviously freddie is you know the franchise player and has been for a while so a pretty cool moment there to be sure um i guess the one other thing that i, I we should at least talk about this week was the game on friday that was kind of like the the absolute moment in which this thing was absolutely going to be over because you know they were you know coming down from coming back from 4-1 down uh, um, with with a five run seventh inning, the Albies bomb, Camargo with the game with the eventual game winner. Friday was the game where we kind of knew it was over, but at the same time, Friday was yeah. when it was actually really over when they came back from that, and the Phillies just kind of were buried. That was a crazy one, um, and one that I was not expecting. Frankly, I was I was working that night and kind of was looking around, like I was working on the internet, I should say, and almost turned my brain off. Like, oh, it's four one, they're gonna lose tonight. Come back for tomorrow. I had it on. But it was a situation where I did not expect that to happen. And then they, uh, you know, sort of typical from this team, I think it was probably a good microcosm for this entire season. Like in the blink of an eye, they were suddenly winning again. And it was like, oh, this is kind of perfect in a lot of ways because this team has had so many of those kind of crazy come from behind victories this year. And it was uh, a very, very nice and fitting uh, almost end. I mean, it, it wasn't the end. Obviously, Saturday was the clincher, but Friday was kind of the perfect one for me. Yeah, I'm with you. It was the true, I think that's about as deflating of a loss as you can have as a team in September. And and you saw the Phillies. I mean, just by the end of that game, they were not, they, they were kind of checked out. I would argue they've been checked out for more than just this weekend, but you, you nailed it. They, that was to come down or come back from being down and, and score five runs the way they did was pretty special. And I know that everyone said when Camargo hit the ball, uh, past the shortstop, they said it was as loud as they've ever heard SunTrust. Now that's, you know, there there hasn't been great baseball play in, the, in yeah. the two years <laughs> it's been there, but uh, the fact that that the crowd was just so fired up for it, it really had a playoff like atmosphere. And uh, and again, the guys deserve it. They've they've had to battle through a lot of stuff. So to see just the you know the pure joy and happiness whenever that rally was happening. Uh, you can see it just from the guys on the field to the guys on the bench. Everybody's all in, and, and it was a lot of fun. For sure. Um, all right, well, we're going to come back to some more like feel stuff from the season at the end of the podcast. I promise we're going to come back and do that. One thing, though, before we get to some you know nitty-gritty stuff is um, you visited Atlanta for the first time, um, well, at least the park the first, for the first time yeah. uh, last yeah. weekend, and we haven't talked about this on the podcast and really not even – offline so I have to ask you what your experience was like I mean I guess it doesn't feel as big like I, I actually kind of wish now that the Braves didn't clinch till like Tuesday so we had spent, more, spent some more time on this because <laughs> we were in the ballpark for the first time but I have yeah. to ask you how it went because uh, you were here yeah it was really cool uh, we got in on Monday for the this past Monday and we're there through Thursday so uh, the Cardinal series but it was it was awesome especially from kind of an out of out of town fan perspective uh, the, just seeing the battery and seeing SunTrust and uh, we went to the, the three Cardinals games and, and 
it's a cool atmosphere and Monday's game was just kind of crazy. Uh, and then they were able to win, of course, on Wednesday. So it was cool to see a win. Um, but yeah, they did a great job with the park. I was impressed. Uh, not a bad seat in the house, which was something I'd always heard, which was which was cool. We went up and sat up high on one of the I think it was that uh, on Wednesday, it was the day game when it was like 95 and humid. Uh, as somebody who's not used to the humidity living out in Arizona. Uh, we were dying, but oh yeah, that's uh, uh, th- those those twelve ten one ten starts when you're still in like summer kind of heat here are just so brutal, honestly. <laughs> yeah, if you looked out, I mean, it looked like nobody was at the game, and there was actually a pretty good number of people there, but uh, everybody was underneath the shade and or in the awnings, and you couldn't really see them. But uh, cool park, battery was awesome. We stayed just down the road from uh, from everything, and yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. I had been to Atlanta. It's been probably twelve years since I was last in Atlanta. Uh, but even Turner, I'd, I'd never got to see a game at Turner. Uh, I had been around the stadium, but it was off season when we were there last. Um, so it was nice to see the you know stadium from a from what you see every night on TV compared to in person. They did a they did a really nice job with it. Yeah, for sure, and I agree. I mean, I don't think that, and I said this before. I don't want to spend too much time on it, but I don't think that SunTrust. It's a very very nice ballpark. Uh, I wish there was a little bit more um, in terms of just like that unique feel to it it does feel kind of standard which is not a bad thing necessarily there's some cool things to the park um, mm-hmm. that's kind of my only complaint um is that kind of thing but it's a very nice place and i'm glad they made it smaller and all that fun stuff i can't wait to actually sort of be in it during a playoff atmosphere i, I did hear good things about this weekend about how loud it was and kind of how you know treating it like, like a playoff game but you know having i have a lot of memories of being in the building at turner for playoff games um i plan to be there for at least one um, of these first two home games that they are going to be playing uh ne- you know i guess next week um, but at, at the same time, I just want to kind of see how it feels in that smaller, confined atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, it's gonna yeah. be fun, I think. But I was glad you got to come, especially in the heat of a pennant race. It made it even, it made it even cooler, honestly. That I, so I was happy for you as someone who I know oh, grinds in this weird way from a long, from a long way away. I don't really have, I guess my my college team. I'm, Mich- I'm a Michigan fan. I've only been there a few times, um, so I kind of had that experience to some degree, but. 162 is different like baseball is just different and how many games you watch in your you know it's sort of in that weird faraway place i was happy you got to come down and do that yeah like we i think we booked the actual trip in like march um so i think i mean i, I remember having the thought process of well you know maybe you'll what see some out of, of the, yeah. the september call-ups and see some of the prospects play and maybe they'll you know kind of be hanging on for a wild card spot never in my dreams would i think they were going to be uh, trimming down their magic number and you know scoreboard watching every single night. So it was it was a really cool time to be there and uh, to do it just before they clinched was was pretty special. Absolutely, that timing worked out uh, very very well. All right, let's go um, to some stuff that's you know stuff stuff to look for this week. I suppose you know there's only one more one more week of games. Um, and I know they, they don't matter in the sense that the Braves are going to play but they do matter. There's a lot of positioning to be going on. The opponent uh, is certainly undetermined at this point in time for the Braves, and it's kind of, you know, who do you play, who do you not play? So let's just start there. I mean, we saw what the lineup was today. It was definitely the give-up lineup, which we kind of all expected after the way Saturday went and the party that ensued, I'm sure. Um, but what would you do with the lineup this week? Like, would you play guys? I know... Rest is important, especially for guys who've played a ton like Marquecas and Freeman. But also, you know, teams always want to err on the side of keeping guys locked in as well. You don't want to have guys sit for four or five days in a row. And there is some there is some conjecture in terms of, you know, you have to fight for home field home field advantage. It may not matter all that much, but it matters more in the playoffs than it does in the regular season. And the Braves at this moment would have home field over the Dodgers or the Rockies, whoever wins the National League West. But if they so if they suddenly go out and lose five or six this week, then that w- probably wouldn't be the case. So, how, yeah. how's that calculus for you? 
to me, I think you you just kind of pick and choose your spots with one who you who the starting pitcher is that night. And for me, I wouldn't necessarily send out the normal starting nine for the lineup. I would try to rotate a day off for each of the outfielders at least once. Uh, maybe do a situation where of your your eight regular starters, you start six of them and two of them are on the bench, and you just kind of rotate them throughout the week. As you said, you don't want to do something like give a, a guy four days off in a row because you worry about just not seeing live pitching and you don't want to get him into a, an unnecessary funk. But and re- real time, quick on that, by the way, just yeah. before I before you, I'm gonna let, I'm gonna let you keep going, because they have um, they have three days off regardless. You know, they play yeah. Sunday as the, as the finale, and then they won't play again until Thursday. So mm-hmm. you have those three days lingering out there too. So if you have guys that are resting a lot this week, that's a lot of time off which you yeah. wouldn't think is a bad idea, but like you're, you kind of have those three days baked in, which are going to feel like, you know, an eternity after no one's had that many days off for, you know, yeah. especially the, I mean, even the guys who you would think play a lot, like Freddie and Marquecas had the all-star game. So they really haven't had a break the entire season. No, so no, those, that's huge. And they have Monday off too. So I think with, oh, yeah, I think with yeah. that you're, you're smart with it. I, I think you, if you're in a situation where if you're losing eight to one in the sixth inning one night, then you pull Freddie, you pull Marcakis, you pull Acuna, you know, guys, there's no real need for them to be uh, playing in, in the seventh inning of an eight to one game against the Mets or who, or the Phillies or whoever it may be. Uh, but at the same time, you're right. You don't want to just suddenly go one and one and five over these next six games and lose home field and, and just kind of pack it in and just start developing bad habits and, you always hear the one thing you don't want to do is because the games don't really mean anything, all of a sudden you're not doing things like getting the runner over from second with no outs. You're not hitting a you know a fly ball to the outfield with the runner on third and less than two outs. You want to keep those good habits that, frankly, the Braves have done a pretty good job of all year long. So I would imagine that at least one guy will get the night off just about every night this week, if not two. Uh, you might see Rene Rivera make a start or two to really give Flowers and Suzuki a break, I'm sure, after catching – uh, just about every other day for six months, they could use a break, um, you know. And I, uh, I think they just have to be smart and play it game by game, but make sure guys are, are getting plenty of rest uh, before the playoffs get going. I think we're on the same page with that, a hundred percent. The one, the only guy I think on the whole roster that I would be worried about, like I want to play him as much as he can this week, is Adam Duvall. Um, just because he played every day for a long time in Cincinnati and has been terrible in this bench role in Atlanta. And if they're thinking about even as a possibility of keeping him on the playoff roster, and I promise we'll come back to that in a second, you need to have him see some pitching. Because if he doesn't um, play a lot this week, if he doesn't show you something that's going to be a lot harder to keep him, everybody else yeah. you kind of know already. You know, Culberson's going to be there, um, et cetera. The catchers, I'm 100% with you. Rene Rivera needs to be playing some this week. Those guys need more days off than I would think anybody just because of what Absolutely. you said. They're yeah. older too. They're not young spring chickens, uh, Flowers and Suzuki. So, um, but yeah, I mean, giving I, I saw they would not be playing anyone every day the rest of the season. Like, mm-hmm. I, I just that, that seems inexplicable to me. I know that guys like Freeman and Marquez like it as like sort of a badge of honor to play every day, but they need to sit at least once. I just you know it's one of those things where there's just no reason to play everybody every day. But you do want to win, so like posting give up lineups is not good. Like today was expected. But I think that'll be the only time, probably this week, in which you see a yeah. lineup that has basically nobody in it. Like sure. they're going to try to win. They need to try to win. 
Yeah, if they, you know, let's say Tuesday, let's say they sit Dansby and they sit Ender to make sure I'm with you 100%. Duvall is somebody who should probably play just about every night this week because it would be good to get him, you know, 40 plate appearances or whatever it's going to be. But, you know, you sit Dansby and you sit Ender one night. And then the next night you sit Acuna and you sit Camargo. And then the next night you sit Freddie and you sit Ozzy, whatever it is. Yeah, you know, just pick two. That's, that's a good idea. I like that. <laughs> you, you don't have to do the hockey line shifts where you're going to throw out today's lineup unless I guess maybe next Sunday in the finale if they want to sit everyone just to make sure nobody takes a you know foul ball off the foot or something and if, like and that. And if there's nothing to play for. like You'll know at that point sure. whether home yeah. field advantage is still up for grabs. If it's not, then just pump the game. Like That's totally fine. I get yeah, that. then who cares? If you're locked into the two seed or the three seed or, or whatever seed, it, yeah, I'm with you. Then it goes down even less. But um, yeah, so I think it'll be a little bit of both. I, I would hope that uh, it looks like they're going to open up with Tukey on Tuesday uh, and then Newcomb and Tehran on Wednesday and Thursday in New York. Again, I'd, I'd like to see those guys throw 80, 90 pitches, but absolutely, they, they don't need to try to push for 110, 115 pitches. Um, and then I'd imagine the way that uh, Alex Anthopoulos mentioned this today during the, the broadcast, that they've kind of set up their rotation next weekend with Fulte, uh, Gosman, and, and Sanchez to just kind of, again, go through a dress rehearsal, maybe throw 60 or 70 pitches, get four or five innings done, not to get rusty. Um, but then obviously get out of the game and get them right for, for the NLDS. Yeah, and that's a good place to start. I was going to ask you if you thought anything special about that, and I had seen that too. I wrote that down before we started talking about that. But let's just talk about the roster a little bit. That's you know We'll spend some time on this, trying to, I guess, you know almost every other question we got in the mailbag this week was, you know what's your roster look like if you're picking the roster? So let's just talk about it now. I'll start with the starting pitching because we just transitioned out of that. Um, you know I'm of the mind that Fulte is the Game 1 starter, 100%. Um, Kevin Gosman, I think, is pretty clearly number is the game two starter. Um, sounds like Anibal is leaning to be the thir- third starter. I think uh, you, we were talking before we started recording. You think he's a lock? I I wouldn't necessarily go all the way to lock status, but I I'm expecting to see Anibal in the rotation. Does that sound like what you, we are on the same page there? I think so. I, I'm, yeah, maybe you don't 100 percent pencil it in, but I think something would have to go really wrong in this final start with for them not to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and after that, it's it's kind of a battle. So. You know you're gonna you're not gonna carry five you know five full starters. You're not gonna have five guys start in the postseason. Um, you're almost certainly gonna come back with Fulty in a game five if you get there. Um, so who would be your fourth guy? We if we if we assume those three mm. are on the roster, a who would be your fifth uh, your fourth guy, and b um, after that would you carry the other starter or the other starter or two in the bullpen? Like for instance, if you yeah. were to go with Newcomb or you you to go with Tehran or you're gonna go with Tukey, would you keep one or two of those guys around in the bullpen potentially? Because um, that's always a fun spot. Especially if, if you if you if you if you don't take Tukey, I can't imagine him not being on the roster. It's kind of a weird thing because his arm is just so lively that it would make perfect sense. Yeah. But I mean what's the first decision I suppose is like who you're gonna pitch in that game for? It, it's it's a tough question. I think if I think if game four was tomorrow, I think they would go with Julio to start. And I think it's just from a consistency standpoint. I've tweeted it and even uh, Brian Snicker came out and said it uh, just the other night that they just don't trust Newcomb right now just with how inconsistent. I mean, his uh, it was in something I wrote earlier today. His ERA is above five over his last 10 starts. And that was with his like eight shutout innings in San Francisco. So uh, against a bad team and a bad lineup. Um, so I think I would go with Tehran and maybe it's a situation where you start Julio and then Tukey is just ready to go in the bullpen. 
maybe a Max Freed too. I know there was some talk, and we can discuss this here in a second about you know if the Braves really don't trust Newcomb if he has another bad start this week in New York, that they might actually use Max Freed as their potential fourth starter if it, if the team they end up facing is not good against lefties. So I think that's probably the biggest storyline to watch this week. But if I had to put money on it, I'd say it's Julio. Uh, with basically either Freed or Tukey ready to go in the bullpen at a moment's notice. Um, but again, with the final week to go and see how things shake out, I don't think it's set in stone by any means. Yeah, I do think that your your last point there is a good one and one that I would endorse. Whoever it is, um, you need to have someone else ready to go. Like any, that, person, that person needs to be on a very short leash. In general, um, this just goes back to the manager. I don't want to spend too much time on it, but um, playoff decision-making is just different. Um, you have to be willing to pull your starter in the third inning if it's not going well. Um, yeah. That kind of stuff has to happen in the playoff situation. We've never seen Brian Sicker do this. I'm not going to tell you he's incapable of it, but I'm not super optimistic. Regardless, you're going to need another starting caliber guy who can go out and get you three innings. Um, that, that person needs to be on your roster, whether it be Freed, whether it be Tukey, whether it be Julio, if they decide to go with Tukey, for instance. If you go with the high upside option with Tukey, which is something I would probably uh, endorse, frankly. I think Tukey's just a better pitcher than Julio at, the, at this moment in time. But I do think that, all things considered, they're probably going to default to Tehran. He's the guy who's been here the longest. Snitter, Snicker is certainly a veteran's manager. Um, that's probably going to happen, I think. Uh, so I'm with you on that, but I would certainly have Freed or Tukey ready to go. Um, yeah. It wouldn't be Nukem for me. I would not have Nukem on the roster, which is a weird thing to say because he was like a all-star candidate in the first three yeah. months of the season. Um, Absolutely. But I'm with you. I would not. He would not be the guy for me, which is it's really tough to say because he was so good early. But you just can't afford someone who's going to blow up like that, and there's just no. too much of a chance of it. Um, so yeah, I would be. I, if we assume it's Tehran, and that's an assumption I'm not going to make, but I think we're going to, I think we agree we're leaning towards that being the most likely outcome. You have to back him up with either Freed or uh, Freed or Tukey, I should say. And uh, something that I, I think you were noting about Freed there is uh, Mark Bowman noted that today that that was an option as the fourth um, starter. My jaw hit the floor when I saw that. I was really surprised, but at the same time, Bowman, who's great, I don't think Bowman's just throwing that against the wall. I'm sure he's yeah. heard that somewhere. Uh, I can't imagine he's going to just be positing that out of thin air. So clearly the Braves might at least entertain that option. I wouldn't start Freed, but if you have a lineup, especially you know the Dodgers, uh, I, I believe, are better against right-handed pitching than left-handed pitching. That could be a spot where he's, they're, they're the most likely team that you're going to be playing against. Keep yeah. that as an option available to you, but you know, being flexible is the most important thing in uh, in the playoffs in general. Which people, I think, we're gonna have to re- readjust because even since you know the last five years, we talked about that not being that long ago. At the same time, a lot's changed. Like especially with managing, I think the last two postseasons, especially, we saw teams get really aggressive and yanking guys early. Um, nobody's facing three times in the lineup anymore. Yeah. Even like the, I mean, maybe like a Clayton Kershaw level super ace is, but other than that. Um, you know, in the last three, four postseasons, it's it's really kind of come full circle where no one is pitching more than like five innings. It's kind of crazy. So that's just kind of put even more emphasis on the available arms, and that uh, makes these decisions really important. I'm with you, and I think you would hope that there's because the Braves have some, uh, frankly, a week to start scouting all of their potential opponents. Whereas teams like the Dodgers and the Rockies and Cubs, Brewers, Cardinals are going to have to battle probably to the very last day of the season if not that final weekend you would hope that they'll get a leg up on kind of their advanced scouting now everyone's going to have 
three or four days to really kind of sink into that. And they already have everything in their databases on, on the teams across the league. But you do hope the Braves are able to get some advanced scouting done, really go through the numbers and see where teams have been successful, where they haven't had uh, success and where they've struggled. Um, and, and hopefully utilize that to their advantage. The Dodgers uh, are, are excellent at that. Last year, it was really made note of, of how well they had teams scouted and Again, because Anthopolis and a couple other guys in the front office have come over from L.A., you hope they're able to use that to their advantage this year. But again, I'm with you. I, I think it's a situation in the playoffs where if a guy is in the sixth inning and he throws a, lead, a, a walk to lead off the inning, you pull him. I mean, if, if he's thrown five scoreless and he walks the leadoff guy, you, you really have to think about pulling him right then and there because you, you can't afford – uh, you play like there's no tomorrow, frankly, and, and you can't afford to let a guy walk the park or give up three hits in a row uh, when really just one bad inning could be the difference between advancing and, and going home for the year. Yeah, and it's something it's important about that. Is We'll talk about this more when we get there, but having guys ready and having guys up in the bullpen as well, that's something that I think I've been frustrated by, people have been frustrated by with Snicker, is once he finally decides that someone's probably going to be need to take out, sometimes there's not somebody ready to go, and you like have to waste another batter, and that is something you just can't afford as well. So uh, just something to file away. Um, okay, so we assume, I think you and I are on the same page here, that at least those three starters, you know, Fulte, Gosman, and Anibal are locks, and then, um, you know, the other guys that are, you know, around and at least possible are, I guess, um, you know, Newcomb, Tehran, um, Tukey, and Freed are the other options there. We'll, we'll come back to the final roster that we that you and I create here in a second. Um, let's talk about the uh, position players next real quick. I wrote down 11 locks. I, I'm wondering if you're on the same page with me here, but here they are, the 11 locks. Basically, the starting eight, Freeman, Albies, Swanson, Camargo, Acuna, Inciarte, Marquecas, uh, Suzuki, and Flowers. So that's nine. Um, those are the absolute dead-bang locks. And then you have Charlie Culberson, who I think is an absolute lock as well. And I think Lucas Duda is a lock. Um, yes. He, I guess he's the one that would be, I guess, closest to not being one. But you agree here? that, that Those are the yeah, 11. He's the best left-handed. Yeah, I would take him. I can't imagine Preston Tucker or Rio doing anything. Tucker's not even available, be. by the way. Tucker's not actually Oh, that's eligible. right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. But, okay, so okay, I, I so, think uh, he's just about a lock. Yeah, we're on the same page there. Those are the 11 locks. So after that, I think they're going to carry 13. Um, do you think they're going to carry 13 or 14 position players? I'm guessing it's going to be 13. What do you think? I think it's going to be 13 as well. I think they're going to want the bullpen flexibility. I agree. So, okay, that basically comes down to uh, do the Braves carry a third catcher? And the only option there is Rene Rivera. Um, and if they if they do, then they only have one spot. And I, I assume the battle there would be between Adam Duvall and Leigh Adams. Um, if they don't carry Rene Rivera, they could carry both Duval and Adams. They could also carry someone like Rio Ruiz. Um, I mean, God forbid, Ryan Flaherty. Um, there's there are, <laughs> there are options available. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I would say my personal decision would be, do you carry a third catcher? So that's let's 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 just do this now. Um, a would you carry a third catcher? And B do you think Snicker will carry a third catcher? I would not, and I don't think the Braves will. Just you know what, if you have to use Kurt Suzuki in the eighth inning of a tie game with the bases loaded as a pinch hitter and Tyler Flowers gets hurt in the ninth inning, you know what, you figure it out. I mean, you you just kind of prep and you fig- you find somebody who could catch for an inning or two. Again, it kind of goes back to the play I mean, like there's no tomorrow. They have if, that guy already, I'm sure. They already know who it yeah. is. Yeah, it's probably I Culberson it's, or something crazy like that. I was going to say, yeah. I think Culberson has. It's been mentioned that he is the emergency. I think there was a situation earlier this year where 
uh, like in the first week of the season when Flowers and Suzuki were both hurt and Chris Stewart came in the game. And if they said if Stewart got hurt, I'm pretty sure it was Culberson who was listed as the emergency guy. But again, how many baseball games are played every year and how many times has the emergency catcher situation come up? I, I can't think of. <laughs> You probably count them very rare and over the last decade. Yeah. So personally, I wouldn't carry a third catcher, especially someone like Rivera, who's not a great defensive catcher nor a great hitter. Um, I would prefer to have Lane Adams over Duvall if that's a situation where they have to make a pick um, just because of Adams. uh, His speed uh, is it can change a game late. Um, and again, Adam Duvall obviously hasn't had a good two months in Atlanta, but, um, I, I do think they'll just roll with two catchers and have Duvall and Adams. I don't really see anyone else. Maybe, uh, uh, Rio just as kind of a decoy lefty. So, uh, they don't, pin, they don't bring in a lefty every time Lucas Duda comes in. Not that I think teams necessarily would. Um, but again, I, I think it'll be, they'll carry the two outfielders, uh, you hope that if this week Duvall can have a, a good week and get some swings, maybe he's a little more playable. Um, and then we had talked about Adams. So that was that's kind of my feelings. What about yours? Yeah, I mean, I I am. I was talking about this with a few people today on Twitter. Um, I am firmly in the camp of carry both outfielders. I would carry Duvall and Adams if it was me. I do think that Lane Adams has real utility in the playoffs with his speed. You need a pinch runner. Like you've seen plenty of teams take advantage of that, having that kind of speed guy. I don't think he's like an uber elite base stealer, you know, that kind of guy, but he's clearly your best pinch runner by far. Yeah. Um, so having him around, and obviously he, he can say quality defensive player, um, having him around brings a lot of utility. I do think I would also carry Duvall. I've been a little bit higher on him than some. I will say, if he goes out this week, plays every day, and goes, you know, he had, he had, he had, a, he had a, a nice hit today, which is really helpful for his confidence, I'm sure. Um, if he goes, you know, one for 26 this week, maybe you just can't do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. if it's if it's still as bad as it's been, I understand why you wouldn't. Uh, but if he shows some, if he shows some life this week. I would carry both of those guys and not carry Rivera. I do think it's more likely um, than I want to imagine that the Braves do carry a third catcher. You know, Snickers very old school. He doesn't like to use um, Suzuki or Flowers as the as a primary pinch hitter. And in the playoffs, um, he might want to default to that third catcher spot. I think it'd be a waste of a spot, frankly. Maybe if they had a better mm-hmm. option there, it'd be more interesting. But I, I think you just have to manage, as you said before like there's no tomorrow and that means using your best pinch hitters and right now full stop your best right-handed pinch hitter is whoever's not playing catcher that day um and it's not close frankly so yeah um, maybe if Duvall wakes up that's not the case anymore but right now today you have to understand that your best pinch hitter from the right-handed side of the plate is either Flowers or Suzuki I understand you have you have Culberson as well who's also been obviously fantastic this year but he's also your your one infield backup so you have to keep an eye on that as well so yeah I I would be carrying um Duvall and Adams I think it's possible and will not surprise me at all if they carry Rivera. That's kind of where I am on it. I'm with you. I I think it wouldn't stun me, as you said, but I do think they'll elect to carry just the two catchers. (laughs) Yeah, I do too. I do too. Uh, All right. um, So let's get from there. We get into the bullpen. You know, pitching locks. We talked. We talked about before the the three locks for starters that we mentioned: Fulty, Gosman, and Anibal Sanchez. In the bullpen, I wrote down a few locks here. Um, I think Minter. Viscaino, Biddle, Winkler, Brad Brock, Johnny Venters, and Shane Carl are locks. Do you have any disagreements there? No, I don't. I don't think so. I think with Viz, I think they're going to want to make sure that he can go back to back days. I don't believe he's done yeah. that yet. I mean, um, if, if he if he if he pitches reasonably well this week and shows that, I think he's on the team for sure. Yeah, me too. It, it would require almost another injury, and he has 
he's done it for years now. He's not, I mean, yeah, I, I think he's near lock health permitting, which with all these guys, sure. If, if Jesse Biddle, you know, injures his shoulder this week, yeah, he's not going to make it, but right. I'm with you. Know I, mean? I think those guys are in Yeah, healthy. Yeah. Those guys are the options. So, um, that's 10 pitchers when you factor in the three starters guaranteed. And obviously they're going to carry at least one more starter. That's 11 pitchers. So you're, you're already at 22 now with the 11. You have the 11 position player locks. You have 11 pitchers of some sort between the, the 10 locks that we just mentioned plus one more starter. I would imagine that means there's two more bullpen guys. And that also includes the pitchers. So you have um, guys, uh, here are your options for two more slots, probably. You have, um, you know, whoever's not the starting pitcher for game four. So Newcomb, sure. Tehran, Tukey, Freed. Um, and then you have a couple youngsters. You have uh, Kyle Wright. You have Bryce Wilson. You have uh, Chad Zabaka. You have Luke Jackson. You have Sam Freeman. And you probably only get to take two of those guys. So yeah. this is a really tough question because – it's upside versus you might want another lefty and you only have one option. Um, if you don't, I mean, unless you want to turn, you know, Sean Newcomb into a situational left-hander, which I can't imagine they're probably likely to do. Um, it's Sam Freeman or bust on the left side. And then you have a bunch of righties that are probably more talented, but it's uh, really kind of hit and miss here. So what yeah. do you think about the rest of the uh, staff? Uh, for me, I think it depends on who they end up playing. Um, if they play, say the Dodgers, which right which now is the most likely scenario, we will say probable. Yeah. I might honestly be more inclined to take on a Sam Freeman because he's lefty. The Dodgers have Jock Peterson. They have Yasmani Grandal. They have Max Muncy. They have a lot more thump from the left side. And than, a lot of platoon split guys. Like absolutely. Jock, Peter, Jock Peterson is a, is a harsh platoon split guy, for instance. Uh, yeah. So compared to the Rockies, who, you know, Arenado is right-handed and Desmond is right-handed. Trevor Story, if he can get healthy, is right-handed. The only real left-handed threat they have is Charlie Blackman. Um, and even then, I'm not sure you're going to start game planning around, you know, Charlie Blackman. So um, it, it, for that, it kind of depends. I think Chad Sabatka, they're, they're going to want to see another week of him. And I would hope they would give him some chances to pitch in close games late because he was downright filthy against the Phillies. Um I think he has a chance. I'm not sure that Wright or Wilson will really have a shot just because of the inconsistencies they've shown. And that's really not their fault. They've barely pitched more than once a week, if that, since being called up. Um, Luke Jackson, I guess, could be an option. But Snicker um, likes Freeman, it more than we do. I'll tell you that right yeah, now. <laughs> yeah. And even, you know, even Sam Freeman hasn't been that bad since coming off the DL. He's uh, He's been a little better than, than before, uh, obviously. So, um if I had to guess of this group, I would think it's it's Freeman and Sabatka would be probably my choices. But again, it's going to come down to who they play and who you know how the matchups are going to work and everything like that. I'm with you. Um, you know, it's it's really tough. I wish they had handled Wright and Wilson differently in the last yeah. three four weeks. I really do because those guys the upside is just so much higher with those guys. But uh, I'm with you in terms of what we've seen. I can't imagine that they're likely to carry either one of them. Um, Freeman is someone who I know Braves fans recoil just at the at, at the sound of his name at this point. Um, but he hasn't been as bad as people think he's been recently. It's not great. I don't think he's very good. And I think um, it's very important to note that whoever these guys that are that we're talking about right now, they should be used in the lowest in the lowest leverage situations possible. That's something yes. that gets Snicker in trouble a lot is using his worst relievers in high leverage situations. Um, that's something you can't avoid though in the playoffs because leverage generally just rises <laughs> you know yeah. it ha stuff happens earlier in the game like you could have your highest leverage situation in the fourth inning and 
you can't use I mean I think he might default to using a bad reliever early in the game because it's early in the game but you just you can't do it so yeah uh yeah I mean obviously big questions there okay let's let's just pick guys that we would do at this point in time so um are we on the same page and taking both outfielders? So we have the 11 locks of position players, and then we're going to go with Duvall and Adams, me and you, for yeah, our official talking I, child was, picks. If I was okay. picking, as you said, unless Duvall goes like over 30 this week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. so that's Which that's 13. Uh, that's 13. Uh, and then there, there's the 10 pitcher locks, uh, Fulte, Gosman, Minter, Vizcaino, Biddle, Winkler, Brock, Venters, Carl, and Anibal Sanchez. That's uh, so we're up to twenty three spots now. Um, who would you take as your other two? Because, um, yeah, this is going to be interesting. Um, wait, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yes. Okay. So you have two guys, and one of them's got to be a starter. So yeah, I think I'd probably take Tukey of that group just because of his versatility, um, and then. I guess Chad Sabatka. I think because they, in this scenario, they have three lefties with Minter, uh, Venters, and Biddle. They don't necessarily need to have a fourth lefty out there. Um, so I, I think I would lean towards Tukey and Sabatka. Um, although, again, because Sabatka's only had 12 major league appearances, so the idea of him pitching in the playoffs is a little scary. Um, but I, I think he's been as good as anyone over the last week. So. Um, I, I think those would be my two guys. Yeah, I, either way for me, Tukey's on this roster. I think I, w- I would personally start Tukey in Game Four. That is where I would. That's where I would go. Hmm. But um, that may not happen. I probably, I, I assume it probably doesn't happen. Uh, but he'd be on my roster regardless. And I think I prefer Freed even in a bullpen role to anybody else available. Um, that might be out of the box, but I just think he's kind of nasty when he's right. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. And there's nobody else. I mean, Sabaka, I agree, is the guy that's probably most conventional that I would like the most. I would not carry Sam Freeman, um, partially because I just think we – this is probably an overreaction by my, by, on my part, but I think Freeman and Luke Jackson are guys you have to just take away from Sticker. And that that's going to sound funny, but he clearly just overvalues them yeah. uh, or doesn't know how to use them properly. Like he, we've, we've routinely seen those guys in situations where they just shouldn't be, and it's going to get magnified in the playoffs. So. Yeah. Yeah, I would go with youth and upside. That's kind of just my MO as a general rule, but I would be going with Tukey and Freed. That's just me, and we'll see what happens. So yeah, that's I wouldn't the roster. Hate Freed. Yeah, I wouldn't hate Freed. And he has the ability to throw a couple innings if you know yeah, if you're multiple innings, he's left handed. You know, yeah. it's uh he has the ability to get righties out if he you know he has the stuff for it. I, I think he it's not it's not an on the it's not an on the radar choice, <laughs> but I think that's really that's actually what I would do, even if I'm not I'm pretty sure they won't do that. Um all right, that's probably enough roster stuff. I think it does matter who the who the Braves play. We should talk about a little bit about um, you know, the likelihood and sort of the standings at this point in time before we move on to like the last part of our podcast. Um at this moment in time, the Dodgers have a one and a half game lead on the Rockies and by far the most likely scenario for the Braves is playing the National League West champion. Um so it looks like it's going to be one of those two teams. Um I would be rooting hard for the Rockies if I was a Braves fan. Um, yeah. I, think that, I think the Rockies are solidly worse than the Dodgers, top to bottom. Uh, the, uh, for instance, the Rockies have a plus one run differential. Yes, you heard me right, plus one, and we are in late September. Um, that's not a very good baseball team, I don't think. They've been really lucky slash good in, in uh, late-game situations. Their pitching isn't great. They have a couple guys who are actually legitimately good, but top to bottom doesn't really scare me. Um yeah. I mean, I think it's that's pretty obvious, but I mean, I guess we should always talk about it. 
Dodgers versus Rockies. I think it's going to almost certainly be the Cubs versus the wildcard team on the other side because the yeah. Cubs have a three-and-a-half game lead on the Braves. That's a lot with a week yeah. to go. So, and they're home yeah. against the Pirates this week uh, before the Cardinals. And Yeah, I'm with you. It'd take, plus, even the Brewers are ahead, so if the Cubs were to collapse – the Brewers have a game up on the Braves too. Which so is crazy. Still, two yeah. teams. Yeah, yeah. The Braves, uh, the Braves have a nine and a half game lead in the division, and they're uh, currently trailing the wild card favorite. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. hello in at least. Um, but yeah, I, I do think give me the Rockies at all costs. F- uh, Five thirty eight right now gives the Dodgers a seventy nine percent chance to win the division and twenty one percent chance for the Rockies. That sounds probably right to me, given yeah. the uh, given the Dodgers have a game and a half lead on the Rockies, but. Listen, if you're a Braves fan this week, root for the Rockies. That's what I would say. Oh, 100%. And they're playing the Phillies and Nats, too. So it's you know, you, I was tweeting about a little earlier with, with the Dodgers and the Rockies. Uh, the Dodgers are going to go on the road, but they have to go and face the Diamondbacks, who were eliminated. But there is no love lost between those two teams. Um, then they finish with three in San Francisco against the Giants. And while the and they're Giants try. have not been very good, you can bet they will be going out there given every you know every ounce of energy they have left to beat the Dodgers because they'd like to do nothing more than to you know to bump them to the wild card game or out of the playoffs altogether so yeah um, I would say this I mean let's talk about this real quick I don't want to spend too much time because next week's episode is gonna, is gonna basically be a preview of whatever series um it probably is going to be Braves Dodgers but we'll spend a lot of time uh, next week on the actual matchup so for right this second I think the Braves will be favored pretty solidly over the Rockies it doesn't mean the Braves are going to be obviously a lock to win that series it's baseball but I think the Braves even if the Rockies had home field might be slightly favored um against the Dodgers though I think the Braves are the underdog and I, yeah. I mean it's not good not not by a huge margin but the Dodgers are just the more talented they're team, really good to bottom um yeah. and even with all their injuries they just I think they're better the peripherals are, their peripherals are better um They've been. They have more guys that have been there before, which doesn't. Which doesn't matter to some degree, I would say. Um, so yeah, I, again, this is baseball. None of this stuff's more than like sixty forty. I don't think there's not a team. I mean, maybe in the World Series, the Braves are, you know, facing off against the Red Sox or the Astros. They're a bigger. They're a bigger underdog than that. But I don't think anybody in the National League is like a prohibitive favorite over the Braves. No, absolutely not. No, I think. I think on paper. The Dodgers are the best team, one through twenty-five. The lineup is really, really good. You mentioned the platoon stuff. They have really good hitters against lefties and against righties. Uh, they've been there before. They're not going to get rattled on the road. You talk about Kershaw. You talk about uh, Walker Bueller. Uh, Ryu He's has pitched absurd, really well. Yeah, <laughs> Ryu's pitched really well lately. Uh, Stripling is back. They have Alex Wood out of the bullpen now. I mean, that team is. I think pretty clearly, and there's a reason they won 100 some odd games last year and almost won the World Series. It's because that nearly entire team is back. Uh, you mentioned they do have some injuries. The bullpen has not been nearly as good as it was last year. Kenley's been a little shaky, and their middle inning relievers aren't great. But um, yeah, 10 times out of 10, give me the Rockies. If the Rockies sweep the Braves, then so be it. It wasn't because they were a far better team than the Braves this year. It's just because they won a, th- a short series in a weird sport. And, um, but yeah, give me the give me the Rockies over the Dodgers. But I'm with you. I do think the Dodgers are going to be able to hold them off. Yeah, it's baseball, um, and that's the important thing that we should keep saying because it's a lot of coin flip stuff in baseball. Even the best team versus the worst team in baseball is still like a you know maybe an eighty twenty favorite. Like if you put, I mean, I, you know, the Marlins are like historically bad, and the, so are the so are the Orioles. And so maybe this is an example that doesn't hold up that much this year. But even if you put the Orioles against the Red Sox in a five-game series, the Orioles win like 
8% of the time, 10% mm -hmm. of the time. Like, yeah. and that's not a lot, but in, in other sports, if you put the best NBA team versus the worst NBA team in, in a playoff series, they never, the, the best team wins 99% of the time or more. So baseball, there's just more variance. It's, it's, just, it's just what it is, especially in a short series, best of five, that first series uh, gets weird a lot of the time. Um, another question that we got a couple of times, just real quick, is like the easiest path for the Braves. I guess the preferred path. We agree mm. it's the Rockies in round one. Um, I would I would want to avoid the Cubs, so I would say. Um, I, I mean, think the Cardinals. Card yeah, yeah. If, if it is the Cardinals, I would take the Cardinals. I agree. Uh, so we'll say Rockies, Cardinals, and then World Series. Realistically, probably is going to be an uphill battle, regardless. Probably, but, I mean, uh, honestly, I think the Yankees are the worst team in the in the American League right now. With their I issues agree. and injuries, I, it's the Red Sox. It's the Yankees or the A's, um, yeah. for sure. Wh whoever wins the wild card is the answer. <laughs> well, and even like Cleveland, I mean, you don't realize that Cleveland, who's had basically the division one for three months now, the Braves have a two game lead over Cleveland in the standings, which is kind of crazy. They're but pitching you, just so much better like, than the Braves pitching, though. You, like, but, yeah, and you look at Cleveland's team, and they're just built for for the playoffs. I mean, you talk about the dominant two or three starters at the top and really good late inning relievers and some superstars in the line. I mean, that, that's a really good team. I think the Indians are almost getting overlooked and I sure wouldn't want to play them in a short series, but alas, I am with you. I think probably the Yankees or the A's would be the easiest world series team. But even then, you know, you're talking about two teams that are going to win 96, 97, 98 games this year, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. Hopefully we're talking about the world series in actual terms in a couple of weeks, but uh, until then, Let's just keep that um, under wraps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whoever wins the National League, even if it's the Cubs or the Dodgers, they're going to be the underdog probably in the World Series. So, oh, absolutely. Just follow that. I mean, maybe the situation where the where they're where they're playing the Yankees, and that's like more of a coin flip. But if if any of the Indians, Red Sox, Astros come out of the American League, they're going to be favored over anybody. So yeah, it's going to be. I think we'll see. I mean, I think personally, I think Houston is the best team still, even with Boston being what it is. But yeah, the American League playoffs are going to be pretty pretty nuts absolutely uh all right before we uh before i let you go man um let's talk about some of the favorite moments that we had this season i mean overall i think it was kind of just um a favorite moment because there was a lot of positive things that happened frankly because you know there was i can i'm i'm sort of wired i'm not sure if you're the same way i'm sort of wired to remember things that are bad like i think <laughs> my the thing that's most ingrained in my mind or were the two giant blown leads the braves had um, yeah. one against boston and then one against the cubs early in the year those are uh hilariously the two moments that i could probably recite the most off the top of my head um <laughs> says, yeah. says a lot about me as a person who covers this sport um but with that said there's a lot of fun stuff too like the near no hitters and all that fun stuff so yeah. i mean it's kind of funny i want to say friday is like the moment of the season um but that's maybe that's a little bit recency bias i'm sure it is but i think it might be my favorite moment of the season was that come from my win on friday i'm sure there are other moments i mean charlie culberson a couple of just like heroic things yeah. that he did that kind of came out of nowhere that might do but is there something for you on the positive side that sticks out above everything else um, Acuna's first homer was really cool, obviously. Cool. Yep. Um, and to be in attendance for it, the uh, play in Arizona where Dansby uh, knocked down what would have been a game-winning single up the middle and then oh, spun around and threw home. Yep. Yeah, that was, you know, now again, I was sitting about 20 rows back of that, so it was even cooler in person. But um, that, that was really a cool, cool moment. Um, I mean, but you think about even opening day. I mean, the Braves go down. What was it? Five nothing to Aaron Nola. Yep. Um, and, and to a guy who's probably going to finish third in the Cy Young voting. 
um, for them to come back. I mean, it really kind of set the tone for the entire season. Uh, and of course, then Marquecas cranked one uh, in the ninth to to walk off. I mean, at that point, it was just kind of a feel good win, you know. Hooray! They they won their first game, but it really kind of set the tone for the entire year of just them never being out of it and fighting back and and everything like that. So all yeah, kinds of good well moments. Said. Yeah, I mean, it is it was a crazy fun year. I mean, I think I think you and I came into the year thinking, hey, it's if they can get towards 500 and play some of the young kids, it's one thing if you're 500, but you're kind of trending the wrong way. You have some veterans who, who aren't going to be with the team. Your, your farm system isn't much. That's one thing. But when, you know, we went into the year thinking, well, if, if they're playing all the young guys, Acuna, Albies, Swanson, Camargo, et cetera, et cetera, and they're pushing for 500 or so, that'll be a really big success uh, given the trajectory of the rebuild. But uh, yeah, this was it was an incredible year, and there were certainly some highs and some lows, but it was it was really a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, that's uh, very well said, and uh, the bookends are kind of perfect from opening day to especially Friday, and just come from come from behind nature of this team. And you know, again, the blown leads are more memorable sometimes, but uh, <laughs> the, the come from behind wins are uh, more important in a lot of ways for a team that was very very good throughout the season. So uh, that's probably enough on that. We will come back, I promise. Here's Just for some planning purposes so everybody knows on the podcast, um, we'll kind of just do some producing right now. Um, our, our show next week will probably not be on Sunday. I am actually traveling. Um, the final game of the year is Sunday, but the Braves, as mentioned before, do not play until Thursday. So at some point between you know Sunday Sunday evening and Tuesday afternoon, I will have a podcast somewhere in there that'll be a that'll be a, an NLDS preview mostly. So it probably will not arrive Sunday night because I'll be on an airplane, but it's coming. I promise. And we do have that three day cushion, which is very nice for me especially <laughs> to record that. <laughs> uh, and then after that, and Scott will be a big part of this. We're planning to do uh, recap shows. This has been a weekly podcast for as long as it's existed, um, with a few weeks off in between and all that fun stuff. But um, for the first time in the history of the show, we're going to do basically almost daily. I mean, we won't, it won't be every single day because there will be off days in there. But at least as long as the Braves are alive in the playoffs, we will do a post-game episode after every single game, even if it's like 3 in the morning. Because we before, before we were talking on the podcast, Scott and I were kind of thinking out loud, if the Braves play the Dodgers and have to go out there, um, there's going to be some very, very light nights um, on the East Coast at least. So buckle in, get your coffee situation ready at home, because if you want to stay up for these games, uh, remember that series a couple, you know, I guess not, not a couple years ago now, a while ago against the Giants, where uh, I routinely was going to bed at, you know, three after uh, covering that. Yeah. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm very excited for it, even if um, uh, sort of the prospect of those of those late nights is going to hit me at some point in time. But that's that's sort of the plan moving forward. We, we sort of teased it the last couple of weeks, but that is going to happen. Even if it's just me for 15 minutes, if I can't get a guest, if Scott's busy or something and everybody else is asleep, I'll record <laughs> a, uh, a recap show. I'm used to doing that on my Atlanta Hawks podcast. So there'll be a little bit of that at least, and we'll talk you know, about moves, and it'll be definitely more nuts and bolts than this podcast normally is because we'll be, we'll be talking about basically one game every night, which is a new change. I'm actually excited for it. It'll be fun after basically having to look to the future of the last three years. It'll be a <laughs> yes. nice. Uh, it'll be a nice little change. Yeah, some recap stuff. Some like, hey, in the fifth inning, he did this. Like every once in a while, we'll do that at the beginning of a podcast, but it's mostly to be like what went wrong or what went really right. And this time, it'll be like every move we analyze yeah. basically. Um, yeah. So that'll be fun. Uh, anyway, well, Scott, if there's anything else that you want to say to the people, please go ahead and do that. Um, of course, we will talk in the very near future, but if, if, if it's not before the uh, actual playoffs begin, do you have a, a message for Braves country? I think people want to know where you are, my man. <laughs> yeah, let's uh, let's hope they can get something done. I mean, this I already feel like they're kind of playing with house money, uh, so to speak. <laughs> um, but you get there, and, and you don't want to – 
uh, you don't want to lose early in the NLDS. I mean, someone reminded everyone today the Braves haven't won a playoff series since 2001, which is pretty crazy to think. Okay, about. Like, let's 2001. I was about to say right now we we talked about this you know five years ago we were kind of in the same spot. Um, 2001. What were you doing? <laughs> I was uh, probably 11 years old, give or take. So, maybe so I'm older 10. than you, but uh, yeah, yeah, was that sixth grade for you? Probably somewhere in there. Probably yeah, middle Fifth, school sixth. area. Yeah, yeah. So 2001. Um, I, I remember this most because it was 9/11 and the year of 9/11, right before, right, right before the playoffs. Um, I was in 10th grade. Um, I was, you know, playing basketball poorly and kind of just being a 10th grader um but you know living and dying on all braves things but that's a long time ago like i'm yeah. i've not been in, I've, I've not even been in co- i've been out of college for more than 10 years at this moment i graduated mm-hmm. college like 10 years and two months ago so talking about 17 years that's a long yeah. time well, the way you think of it is okay let's say they win a playoff series this year and then they'd go another 17 years without doing i mean that's 2035 would be the next time the braves would win a playoff series when you think of it like that which is just insane so i mean since then yeah. I, I think i have attended if not every single home game uh, in the playoffs between that I, I was at darn near all of them like i can recite all the exits after 2001 i was at every single time the braves lost a elimination yeah. game in atlanta i was there um from Kerry wood going crazy in the 03 um it was freezing cold at turner i was sitting like the second top row um to the wild to, to the last time which was you know the wild card game loss was brutal and then of course the uh the craig kimbrell david carpenter disaster in 2013 like there was I've been I've been in the building for a lot of those losses like the Brooks Conrad game which I'll never forget as long yeah. as I live yeah because um, Kimber was in L A yeah Kimber was in L A like the the Giants game was just like yeah I can just see Dior Hernandez on the bench right now because he's still, yeah. still still sitting there for some reason I'm not sure why why he wasn't playing second base um anyway uh so yeah 17 years is a long time I'm glad you mentioned that because that's actually a good point of reference to just kind of talk about we have a lot of people on this I think people that listen to this podcast that weren't born then. Like, those yeah. people exist. That's crazy. Like, yeah. if, I wish I could call Carlos in right now and be like, Carlos, weren't you, like, five? Like, did, he probably has no <laughs> – I don't think he has any memory of the 2001 playoffs. I think he has no memory of that whatsoever. Yeah, I have a little bit. And, like, I think the first one I vividly remember was that crazy Astro series in 2005. Oh. Uh, back when the Astros and it, with Chris Burke. Chris like, Burke, I, I re- Joey Devine. Vividly remember sitting, you know, in my bedroom and watching those games when I was whatever I was then, 13, 12, whatever it was. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's been a long time. So hopefully, again, just kind of the magic ride this team has been on. And really, you look around at the NL and there's no super team. I mean, even we talked about how good the Dodgers were, but they have some very real holes. There's a reason they're only a game up with a week to go. I mean, they have some real issues. It's not the same super team as last year where everyone kind of figured they were going to cruise to the playoffs, and they they basically did. Um, not saying that the Braves are going to walk in and, and get to the World Series in a total of you know nine games, but uh, there's certainly a chance to do something this year. And whether or not they do it, it's, it's far from a lost season. It's been a pretty crazy a crazy ride from the beginning and hopefully uh they're able to do some things in october and then and then just keep going i mean it's a young team they're gonna have some money to spend it's the future's bright so it's it's a good spot to be in yeah we got we got a lot of questions about future stuff uh, and i purposely didn't want to answer them because there's just 
there's time for that later. Um, we'll talk plenty about that in November. You know, win or lose, uh, however the playoffs go, we'll, we'll spend plenty of time in the offseason about you know who goes where and whatever happens. But for now, the next uh, hopefully month plus, <laughs> but maybe not, <laughs> maybe not maybe not that long. But the next few weeks, we'll be talking about the playoffs exclusively, and that's what we'll be doing. Yeah. So, thanks for listening, everybody. I really appreciate it, Scott. Uh, we'll talk soon, my man. But I really appreciate uh, you as always, and let's have some fun with this. Yep. Thanks for having me on. So on this uh, special occasion, because of the fact that the Braves haven't been in the playoffs for so long and how, you know, the early clinch and all this fun stuff, I thought we'd we good also to have a second guest on today's podcast. So without further ado, uh, here is Joe Lucia of Awful Announcing Fame. He's been on the podcast before. Joe brings a national perspective to the proceedings. So I thought it'd be good to have him on. And of course, it's more important because he reached out to me and asked me to come on. So that's what happens uh, at, at this very, very late hour and when it comes to uh, putting the podcast together. And I wanted to uh, expand the pod a little bit. This week as a more of a celebration. So here is my interview with Joe. Joe, thanks for coming on, man. What's going on? I am just so ecstatic that <laughs> somehow, some way, this Braves team has won, I guess, eighty nine games now and is, you know, the NL East champions. It's amazing. I'm stunned. Yeah, stunned. I think I think uh, we might not have spent enough time on this when I just ta- I talked to Scott and you know we spent some time on it, but at the same time it's uh, it pretty it is it is really kind of staggering. I mean we talked a little bit about the fact that you know this is a team that was projected to win like seventy five games by Vegas and some projection systems and nobody really had them going better than five hundred at least among like an actual projection. There was some faint thought if, among real optimists that the team could like pseudo contend for a wild card spot, but nobody had division champions by the last week of the season um as a prediction at least maybe maybe some crazy optimists had this as like a possible outcome. I really didn't frankly so all that all that to say this is it really is a staggeringly surprising result and uh, one that was a lot of fun to consume. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking coming in that the absolute best case scenario, if everything broke right, was 500. And of course, that that mark got surpassed like two weeks ago, I think. And <laughs> they just have kept winning. I mean, it, it hasn't been pretty at times, but it's been really effective. And uh, pretty much the best case scenario for every player has come true. And I'm just stunned. That's, I mean, that's the word I keep coming back to. I'm. I'm so shocked, but it's been so fun watching this team. They've been just an incredible joy, and like baseball is fun again. I've been saying that all year. Just watching this team has just been so much fun. Yeah, it is, and and I think you know people like you and me that do this for you know a living in your case or a pseudo living in my case. Um, you know, it's still our team that we follow, but at the same time, it's not the same like pure fandom anymore but have having this like it's just been a lot of fun like the way they play is fun you know the team speed is something i talk about a lot um guys just flying around all these young guys that can just really make things happen at the base pass which i enjoy and it's just a fun team to watch and it's not a fluke like i think if you, if you look at run differential which isn't the end all be all but it's usually a pretty good indicator this braves team legitimately has a run differential of a team that is going to win 90 plus games and that's not a, that's a, that's a real thing you know it's the third best in the national league like there's nothing crazy like the phillies have been outscored for the season the rockies have a plus one uh, run differential with an 85 and 70 record like that's that stuff's fluky you know what's not fluky uh being at plus 101 late in september like that it, i think this is a re, it's a it's a legitimate result and one that's 
it's still surprising, but at the same time, like there isn't like a bunch of fluky outcomes. Like guys had good seasons. Obviously, Marquez' first half is one that sticks out to me. You know, Fulte being fantastic. You know, Ozzy and Ronald Acuna. I mean, especially Ozzy early on and Ronald Acuna the entire way. But at the same time, like you have some guys who didn't have those fantastic. I mean, Freddie was really good, but it wasn't like it was like an outlier Freddie Freeman season. Like there's all this stuff where it doesn't seem fluky to me. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. And another thing that you mentioned with the flukiness, like the rotation outside of Fulty was pretty bad. I mean, the best, the second best starter this season was Anibal Sanchez. And whoever expected Anibal Sanchez to get 22 starts and have a ERA just over three. I mean, that's, that's amazing. Incredible. No one, no one expected that. And if they even got, you know, a better season from Tehran, a more consistent year from Newcomb, even like 30 starts out of McCarthy, even that, if that happened, you could be looking at a team like, you know, contending for the best record in the national league. Even though so much went right. I mean, it wasn't a complete, perfect year where there were just so few issues i mean there were problems especially like i said in that rotation and you just look at it and there's so much more to build on going forward yeah the rotation wasn't wasn't incredible like obviously i think you know newcomb's first half was really useful um there were anibal coming out of nowhere was very useful but you know the bullpen wasn't lights out by any means uh you had dansby swanson and and their nciarte not really hit for the full season like it wasn't like again like the stars didn't fully align obviously more things went well than went poorly because that's how you end up with a record like the braves have and then on pace to win 90 plus but still like it wasn't like this you know all-time fluke kind of season which is a lot of fun just to think about what could be in the future even if we would enjoy this anyway which we would be you know a playoff run but I think we've talked about it before. I mean, you and I offline or online, and this is a team that can certainly make some noise. Like, I, I'm not picking them to win the World Series, but there's nobody in the National League that I would say is an overwhelming favorite over the Braves. There are teams, I think the Cubs and, and the Dodgers are better than the Braves and will be favored in a series. But, you know, favored in a series in baseball is like 55-45 or 60-40. It's not like the situation where the Braves can't make real noise here. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, look at the two series, home and away. We play it against the Cubs and the Dodgers this year. I mean, that those two Cubs series, uh, I believe the Braves should have – I believe they won the one series and split the other one. I think that's right. But it really should have been something like, I think, 5-1 or 5-2 in advantage of the – advantage of the Braves because obviously there was that really terrible loss in Chicago that we won't get into. <laughs> and I mean the Dodgers games yeah the Dodgers won I want to say five or six of those seven games but the Braves played really well in those games they they look like they belong they didn't get blown off the field and I think in a short series when you know you're going to give faulty two stars that I mean, especially if the guy that shows up yesterday or not yesterday, uh, Saturday showed up in these two starts. I mean, that is a team that has to be feared and has to be contended with. And no matter who the Dodgers or Cubs throw out there against him, it's a situation where I'm not writing the birds off at all. No, and you shouldn't. Uh, I mean, I guess it's a it's a good transition point to ask you, you know, Scott and I basically agree that you know the best case scenario is the Rockies in round one do you agree with that scenario at this point in time you know the Dodgers are probably going to win the NL West but there's a chance the Rockies can sneak in and that's a scenario that I would be rooting for if I was a Braves fan I kind of agree I'm 
I'm more scared of the Rockies rotation than the Dodgers rotation, which is not something I would have ever expected to say. That's a very weird statement. That's not that crazy, honestly. And I think, uh, I think the Dodgers obviously have the better offense. Both teams have really shaky bullpens and like, I'm, I'm confident against both teams. Honestly, I, I think the Rockies would be a little bit worse of a matchup. Obviously, the Dodgers can turn it on and just be incredible like they've been over the past few weeks. But it's not like either team is like the much better matchup and the much easier team to me. Yeah, I do think the Rockies are pretty high variance, especially with the fact that their offense really isn't very good. I mean, I think, you know, Coors Field, and their, their raw run totals and that kind of stuff, you look at that stuff casually, you might think that the Rockies have a good offense, but they really don't. I um, mean, Arenado's terrifying, and Blackman's still good at baseball, and Trevor Story's at a heck, heck of a year, although he's kind of banged up right now. But that's not a, a lineup that outside that top, you know, three guys really scares you. I think the Dodgers are better top to bottom, but your point is a good one, and it's worth pointing out because I don't think a lot of Braves fans, some of them certainly do, but a lot of them wouldn't be paying close attention to, like, Kyle Freeland and John Gray, like, guys who aren't big names. You know, free. I, I listen to the to the Effectively Wild podcast. Those guys always make fun of the fact that their Kyle, their Kyle Freeland um, articles never do any traffic because no one cares, but he's been incredible this season. Like, he's really, really good. Um you know, the Dodgers have the names. They have they have Clayton Kershaw, they have Walker Bueller, they have these guys that are kind of high-profile people, but the Rockies do have better pitching than they usually do, at, at the very least. Yeah, and the Rockies have actually been really healthy this year. I'm looking at their uh, Fangraphs page. They've only used a total of 21 pitchers. That's insane. That is absolutely nuts. I did not expect that at all. But, yeah, I mean, this team is – they can be really dangerous in a short – series because you know they can hit at least a little bit and they have this dominant top line pick like would you want to face john gray twice i mean come on that's that's not fun but like you were saying i mean they're not you know this undefeated undefeatable juggernaut and the dodgers aren't you know the dodgers of old that's winning 105 games or whatever they've got more star power but remember their leading hitter this year has been max muncie and i think we can shut down max muncie if push on the show <laughs> yeah i do think i'd still rather face the rockies than the dodgers but it isn't a situation where i, I think they're i don't know it's it's more of a run differential thing like it's the fact that they've only been they're only plus one in late september is like they've they've been really fortunate um but they do have talent and it's really high variance because if they lock if freeland and gray just decide to lock you down for for three out of five games then you're in some trouble so i mean again you know Kershaw is Kershaw, and if he's at his best, he's the best pitcher alive or close to it, um, even at this point in time. But, you know, the Dodgers, I think, have a better roster than the Rockies, but a situation where they haven't been that team all year. They have been recently, as you point out, which is kind of scary to me that they've kind of turned this, kind of turned the corner a little bit and they're playing the way that they should probably be playing. But, you know, if I if I said the Braves were a coin flip against the Rockies in like a 40-60, I mean sorry, 60-40 against the um it's not a big difference. I think I mean the Dodgers I think are better than the Rockies, but again, it's baseball and it's a short series. So like any anything that you think is an advantage is really a not that significant bump if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, just remember five years ago in that game four that I live over and over in my head. I mean, Freddie Garcia out to Clayton Kershaw and should have been going back to game five. 
But of course, as we know, that didn't happen. But when you got guys, you know, just like just get just get through six, just get through six, and things can happen. And I, I look at this Braves roster and the lineup and the rotation. I think. I think they can go head-to-head and do that, especially uh, when you look at a guy like Tehran, who I don't even know if he's going to end up getting starts in the playoffs or not. But when you look at a guy like him, he's been much better lately than he has at the start of the year. And if he can just go through six with, you know, one run, two runs, that's that's all the team can really ask of him. Yeah, for sure. And that's, a, that's probably a good bridge to ask you. I mean, Scott, I spent some time talking about you know the position battles. I, I guess or it's probably the best way to put that with the, the roster decisions that have to be made between now and you know next Wednesday. Um, you know what? Who would be your fourth starter? Who would be your third starter? Who would be your guys off the bench? Like, I guess we'll start with the rotation. I we all kind of agree that Fulty and Gosman are locks. Uh, Scott seemed to think that Anibal was a lock for the for a start. I think that I'm probably I'm starting to lean that way as well. What would you do one through four as your starting rotation, knowing what we know now? Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with you guys. Faulty Gossman. Uh, I, I, I'm stunned that I'm saying, you know, Anibal Sanchez is a lock. But, Same. I mean, <laughs> the dude has been nailed. His last six, seven starts have just been, you know, like quality. Just what you need, you know, six innings, one or two runs. Get out of there. Keep the uh, – Keep your head out of the oven and just keep everything okay. And I mean, when you look at a guy like Newcomb, you know, he can fall apart. Snicker said he's not going to start in the playoffs, which is totally fine. He might be a nice matchup type weapon out of the bullpen. And you look at a guy like Julio, I mean, you know, he's been around the block, but with everything there, I just don't know how good he would be, you know, out of the bullpen. I'm kind of surprised I'd be saying that, but I might just kind of roll with uh, those top three. And then uh, if you need a starter in game four and it's looking bleak, I mean, you might want to go with faulty on, I think it would be short rest by one day as opposed to going with Tehran in game four, which I would probably do if I was up to one. And there's going to be a lot of interesting decisions here, and I think Snicker is going to need to uh, keep his options open. Yeah, that's a good point, and I think you know that stuff. That stuff that's more like in series decision making. But I'm I'm with you. I do think you know it's there's some decisions to be made. And Julio is certainly ahead of Newcomb for me. That's something that I would certainly say out loud is Julio is ahead. I might look at Tuki myself, um, knowing full well that you need someone behind him. Like you need somebody to be ready if he doesn't have it. I just think his upside is so much higher um, that it's worth at least exploring um, and maybe having him in the bullpen if they don't want to carry him as a starter um, just because of his, his arm is just his arm. He's, he's filthy. So that's something to consider as well. I mean, do you think like, what do you think about that? Knowing, you know, you cover the league as a whole more than even I do um, in the last couple of seasons in the, in the postseason, a lot of these situations where, you know, teams are going with starters going three innings or two innings and they're going with these three inning relievers and having like almost like six and seven starters on their roster to go to go multiple innings. Or, you know, is that a scenario where the Braves could be getting creative? I know their manager might hold them back in that way as someone who isn't exactly the most experimental in the world. But what about going into a game four where you just have two stars ready and you have one go and then you have one right, one right behind them? Yeah, that's a really good point. And something I kind of wish that uh, Snicker did a little more the last, I don't know, three weeks or so when the 40-man expanded. Like, why not have, like, 
Tukey have, get piggybacked by Wright and each of them throw, throw three or four innings each or uh, even put in Bryce Wilson into that mix. Just guys like that, you know, see what they have. You're not expecting them to go eight innings each. Just kind of do that. It helps lessen the load on the bullpen who has been so overworked and just needs a break. Thankfully, they've been getting a little bit more of a break in the past few days but you have these arms that are young and fresh and you're not using them and that really kind of confuses me a little bit and i like the idea i just don't think the time to roll it out really for the (laughs) first time in the playoffs because i mean it can really go bad especially with a guy like snicker who i mean he can pack a little bit and all the best laid plans can go to waste yeah, it's a good point. It would be uh, it'd be a risk, to be sure. And we'll, we'll see what they elect to do, but uh, I think we're all kind of on the same page for the most part. Um, do you have any thoughts on, on the bench? I mean, I think Culberson and Duda are like no-brainers, but they have probably two more spots. Are you a guy who wants to carry three catchers, or are you someone who would rather carry two other guys? Uh, Scott and I kind of debated this. I, we both kind of fall on the sides of not carrying a third catcher, but we understand that – you know, Snicker might want one because he doesn't really like to use um, his, you know, the other catcher, whether it be Suzuki or Flowers as a pinch hitter, and he might have to do that in the playoffs. Well, the problem with the third catcher is that the Braves don't have one. They have Rivera. One he's not <laughs> eligible because he was acquired uh, after September 1st, I believe. Ooh, that's actually a good point. I didn't think about that. It was right on the deadline. He might have been acquired before, but not officially added to the roster. That's a good – yeah, I'm looking it up now, so uh, we can vamp on it. It's very – it was very weird because he was claimed like late at night, and he didn't report for like two or three days. Oh, he was – I think he's eligible because he was awarded on waivers on August 29th. Okay. But then I don't think he got added – yeah, I think he's I think he's eligible. Okay, it's it's a really weird situation that I had forgotten I, that, that that was even a thing until you said. It. I'm glad you brought it up because that means I'm gonna have to check on this because I've been talking about it even on this podcast earlier, which people will probably be laughing about now, as if he was a real option, and I think he is. But it, you're right; it may not be as clear cut as I once thought. Because like I'm looking at the transact like his transaction page on MLB.com claimed on waivers August 29th, but he wasn't listed as activated until September 1st. Hmm. I think is it? Do you have to be? You just have to be in the organization, right? It's in the organization. Yeah. I think he's. I think he's eligible. I'm pretty sure. It's a re, it's a really weird gray area right now, and I just don't know why they just didn't activate him right away. That's it's true. I, mean, I wouldn't. Uh, for me, I wouldn't. I wouldn't carry him anyway, so it, would, it wouldn't matter to me um, unless something weird happened. But uh, do you? If he is available, if he is available, would if he is available, I should say, would you carry him, or would you just go with like both Duvall and Adams or something else? Yeah, there's there's no way I would activate him. He has gotten three plate appearances at Brave. Yep, he's I, got I he's got he's got into two games in three weeks. It's not like you know he's there and fresh and working with them. He's you know he's moral support. I I it really the whole thing with him doesn't make any sense because he was ostensibly acquired to give Suzuki and Flowers rest, and they're still playing every day. So, I mean, I would I would imagine he'll play a day or two this week, but. I'm with you overall that I don't really understand it. And I'm really only talking about him because I wouldn't carry a third catcher. I just, I wouldn't. Um, 
I'm talking about it more because the guys who cover the team are talking about it, like as a possibility, and that kind of surprised me. But that was out there between you know Mark Bowman and Gabe Burns and guys that are there all the time. Um, and you know, much to my frustration, I do think that um, Snicker doesn't like to use Flowers and Suzuki as like primary pinch hitters in the playoffs. I think it's very clear, at least at this moment, unless unless Adam Duvall wakes up from his slumber this week. The best pinch hitter from the right side of the plate is whichever catcher's not starting that day. So they, he's going to need to use those guys as pinch hitters. And if he's not willing to do it, unless he's got a third catcher, that's going to be a problem. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, he's you know he grew up in the organization, and Bobby Cox was always yeah Bobby wouldn't all, do it always three catchers always. So I mean, yeah, I can see that situation just kind of end up happening, and maybe go. Maybe go with a slightly lighter bullpen. Maybe you don't need another starter in the first round, and then you can change out and go from there. Really not sure. A lot of, uh, still a lot of balls in the air there. But like you said, uh, Duda definitely locked on the bench. He's played really well since he's come over. And uh, Culberson, of course, fantastic season. And I mean, they've been talking so much about like Lane Adams a weapon off the bench like the uh terrence gore role and you know he was used a couple times like that in the uh philly series so i think that seems like it's going to happen as well yeah those are the two guys for me and they don't really have anybody else frankly so it comes down to you know i can't imagine they're going to take ryan flaherty or rear ruiz so it's going to be the two outfielders unless they carry rivera and uh, you know i, I kind of joke with scott like if Adam Duvall goes like one for 30 this week, maybe they don't do that because he's been so bad. But I, I think he's going to play this week. And he had a hit today on Sunday, I should say. And, he, you know, there's some life there, hopefully. He's better than he's been in Atlanta, almost certainly. Oh, so. yeah. I mean, it, it's really just been an awful go for him. But I think everyone knows he's not that bad. But well, the I fan mean, base doesn't. I'll tell you that right now. I, I, hear from, I hear from the fan base all the time about how bad he is. But uh, I'm with you. He's not this bad. Sure, but when you're going into the playoffs in a short series, if you're on that much of a cold spell, I mean, I'm not a hot hand type of guy, but when you're struggling this much, I mean, it, it would be really tough if he doesn't, you know, do something to bring him along. It would be <laughs> really difficult. Yeah, I'm hoping he shows something. And listen, he, again, he, he had a nice hit today on Sunday. That would be useful to have a couple more of those that can at least point to that says, "Oh, all right, uh, look, Adam Duvall's coming alive, and we know what he can. Do. We, we know what he's capable of. By the way, he plays quality defense in a corner outfield spot, and he hits left-handed pitching. That's why he's on the roster. So uh, that's just something to, to file away. And you know, bullpen stuff is kind of what it is. It's fluid as well. But I mean, I don't know. What's I answered this question earlier. What is what's your ideal path? Like if I said, "All right, design a scenario where the Braves." win the World Series. It's, it's not likely, but w- which teams are they playing against on their way there? That you know, Obviously, within reason, teams that could be in front of them. Which teams are they playing to get there? How would you put that together? Yeah, it would probably look something like in the first round, uh, getting the Dodgers and winning in four. Oh, my God. I'm, I can't believe I'm actually talking about playoff scenarios. It's been so I, I asked you. I mean, listen, this is what we have to do right now. We're, we're here. <laughs> we, we've, we've arrived at playoff scenario talk in late September. It's crazy. Like beating the Dodgers in four, getting like that extra day to rest up a little bit. And, and then in the NLCS, I mean, those three teams in the Central are just killers. I don't want the Cubs. I, <laughs> I, yeah, well, w- what we've seen them do. 
But I think there's enough like turmoil and chaos around the Cub that they can be beat. I would probably prefer to play Milwaukee because I think their pitching is the worst of the three. And I don't and I mean their offense obviously very good, but it's not it's not this like juggernaut that can't be stopped. There are holes in that lineup and they're also really not that great of a defensive team, unlike the Cubs and the Cardinals. So I think there could be uh, some opportunities there to get through. Uh, then in the world series, I mean, it's really a crapshoot. but give me the A's just because their rotation is decimated right now. And I think, uh, I think they would just be happy to be there. And, uh, if you're counting on that their starters that are healthy right now to be able to get through a seven game series, I don't think that would happen. Yeah, it's definitely either the A's or the Yankees <laughs> in the World Series. Uh and the Yankees only because they just don't have any pitching, honestly. It's a weird well, they're starting pitching, I should say. Their bullpen is absurd. But um yeah, I mean it's it's dream scenario, I I asked you, so it's definitely the A's. The A's are the worst team in the American League in the playoffs. There's no question about that. The A's are the worst team in the American League in the playoffs and they have ninety four wins. Yeah, which is outrageous. I mean they, I'm not they sure they're not teams than, they have more wins than any team in the National League. And I'm not sure that's real, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not sure that they're like actually like a ninety eight win true true outcome team, but still they have ninety four wins. It's crazy. Um it's like the it's like the Rockies being eighty five and seventy with a plus one run run differential. It's just the Way things work in baseball, uh, and you can't predict it as they, as people say regularly. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. There's takes we could put out there. Do you have any like feelings on that we haven't expressed on like what's gone on so far, what's going on in the future? Like, how how optimistic are you? Not knowing who the Braves are playing, obviously there's another week to go. They could be playing either the Rockies or the Dodgers. Probably not anybody else, but there's a, there's still a scenario in play where the Braves finish with the best record. If they go out and win five out of six this week, I can't imagine that's likely, but it's at least plausible. I mean, what are you looking forward to? Like, what are you, where, where are you at right now mentally? I know we're really excited as a general rule, but looking ahead a bit to, you know, a week and a half from now when things get underway, like, what are you expecting? Well, I just need to correct one thing first. I said the Brewers were not a great defensive team. They are, in fact, the best defensive team in the National League. So they're, it's their outfield. I, their outfield's crazy, crazy good. On I, I, I trust that. Uh, I actually do do this for a living and do know what I'm talking about. Sometimes. <laughs> no, there, it's, I, I know why you said that because their infield defense is kind of a mess right now after the deadline. Like they don't have guys slotted where they should be, but they also have Yelich and Lorenzo Cain in the outfield, and that's helpful. And even Keon Broxton as a fourth outfielder is like incredible. Around. Yeah. He has ele- he has eleven DRS in hundred and thirty innings in center field. <laughs> that's absurd. Oh, I didn't know that. That's kinda of wild. Yeah. So it's yeah. their infield defense that you're worried about. No, I'm I'm I know why you said that, so no problem. I get it. But yeah, like I look at this team and like it's so young. They're so likable. They're so good. There's a bunch of free agents next year, but like it's not, you know. It's not key players. I mean, it's Markakis and Suzuki and uh, Anibal Sanchez and Venters and Brock. It's not, you know, it's not these core guys. It's Markakis and a Suzuki and a bunch of bench players and bullpen guys. It's not... It's not these guys that, you know, are going to shape the team next year and beyond. And they have so much payroll to play with, even though they're probably not going to sign Harper because the outfield still looks 
pretty good for the future. It just feels like it feels like it kind of felt back in. Uh, oh gosh, what was it? Uh, I think it actually was thirteen when they won the division the last time, and you know they had this young core and everything was looking good, and we were so optimistic, and then it fell apart, and then they blew it up. But even that year, we knew there was a three-year window, and then they closed the window early, and that was that. This team doesn't have a three-year window. This team's right. window can last for the next decade. We don't know. It's really going to be a, a fun off-season too, because we're not going to be worried about you know like trying to blow things up and trade guys. We're going to look to just you know build around the edges and sign guys extensions and it's really exciting for sure that's a good way to put it and i think you know it's inevitable to look back to five years ago when they won the when they were last in the playoff series um you know scott mentioned at the end of our podcast earlier that uh you know just as a reminder everyone the last time this team won a playoff series was 2001 which i was in 10th grade so and I'm not in tenth grade anymore, Joe. Just want to pass that along to you. I'm a little bit older than that now, so yeah, a lot, a lot's changed. Windows can open and shut. We saw that, but it's important to point out that you know I don't want to do a ton of like look ahead stuff because the, you know this playoff series is going to be the most important thing in the world in the next couple of weeks. But there isn't, like you said, there's no reason to like project massive turnover. If they want to upgrade some spots, they certainly can. They're going to have money to do that. There might be some trades, but there isn't this like obvious change coming um I mean, I, and if there is it's going to be to add quality pieces at the major league level like it, maybe they'll sell off some of their some of their minor league stuff and make a big splash or two but that usually helps you not hurts you like i can't imagine like this team they certainly could win less games next year because of how well this season went but their their overall talent level should rise not fall and that's uh it's a lot of fun when you're talking about that kind of scenario as a team enters the playoffs for the first time in a while it's funny you mentioned 2001 because I like completely forgot who they beat in the division series that year. For, for the record, it was the Astros who are no longer in the National League. And like I'm and just that was, looking that, at, that was that was before the last time when they lost to the Astros with, with Chris Burke and Joey Devine and all that fun stuff. But yeah, don't, when I when I was uh, on my honeymoon in Maui, we went to this restaurant. And they had like framed pictures of all these like celebrities that ate there, and one of them was Chris Burke celebrating that home run. Not a celebrity. Chris I Burke. wanted to just. I wanted to rip the thing off the wall, but that would have been. <laughs> but that that 2001 team was so long ago, and like pretty much everyone, I think, yeah, probably everyone from that team is now retired. Uh, I can't imagine they're still playing. Yeah, that's a long time ago. Uh, uh, yeah, a couple of them work in TV. Uh, at least one of them is dead. That's fun. Um, yeah, so that was a really long time ago and we're back in the playoffs and it just feels like, man, I'm not even, here's a fun exercise just for, just real, real quickly. I'm going to run down. I'm sure you have this up as well. Um, all of the, I guess, you know, de facto starting lineup for that team in in the rotation, uh, Javi Lopez, um, a a catcher, a combination of Wes Helms and Rico Bronia at first base, uh, a lot of a lot of Kilvio Veras and Keith Lockhart, um, Raphael for call, obviously Chipper, um, BJ Serhoff was was prominently involved as a 36 year old on that team. Andrew Jones was young and good back then. Brian Jordan, who's now doing TV for the Braves, um, uh, Julio Franco on the roster. He was already 42 at this point, which means he's ancient now. Uh, Mattis Glavin, 
uh, Kevin Millwood, John Burkett was like the memorial supposed to be fifth starter that ended up being good that year. Like John Rocker was the closer on that team. Like this is a long time ago. Like it's the young guys on this team was like Jason Marquis was like the young gun um, starting pitcher and Andrew is like 24. Like th- that and Marcus Giles. That was like your young core on this team. Like <laughs> it's been a long time. And, and Raphael for call, I should say. It's been a long time. That team, that team on paper is so bad. They had two regulars with an OPS plus above 100. I mean, two. they only won 88 games. That was the team. That was the that was the year that they probably shouldn't have won. Like that was like the, probably the worst team in the whole run because they won 88 games. Like they weren't. They just got kind of lucky, built out by the NL. Yeah. And that but, year, the Phillies won 86, and the Mets won 82. So it was a really close race. So I mean, without getting too deep too deep into the 2001 rabbit hole, um, it's just kind of a reminder. Like again, that's a long time. That's more than half my life, and I'm not young. So it's uh, something to consider. It's something, it'd be just fun to win a playoff series. I was telling Scott, I was like, you know, I was at a lot of these eliminator games at home when the Braves lost. Um, it'd be nice to be in the building for one of those like fun games in the playoffs. Like not Brooks Conrad or not Kerry Wood or you know nothing like that. It, it's really kind of depressing because like during that 2010 run, like I remember all of the games in that DS and the Braves should have won three of the four and lost three of the four. So it's just so painful. Yeah, that's what happens. And I mean, listen, that could happen again. We could be talking about the 2018 playoffs and how brutal they were. That would not be a huge surprise to anybody, but it's fun to be here. And this is the, this is the house money year, you know, next year, the team's going to enter the season with real expectations. That's going to happen. Like they're going to be projected to make the playoffs again in 2019, and it's a whole different ball game when you have expectations. But this year, you know, there's nothing like it. This since like 2000, since 90, since 91, and this is not quite 91 where they were going worst to first, and that team was obviously made the World Series and probably should have won the World Series. That's not necessarily the projection for this team, but for the first time since then, honestly. Like they really came out of nowhere and did something that that they weren't supposed to do, and uh, it's been a lot of fun for someone who, you know, I lived through and I remember all of the division wins. Like I wasn't super old for all of those, but you know, I was around and cognizant of all those things. And you know, the downturn kind of sucked. Like I, I wasn't, I was one of those spoiled fans. Like you know, four years, four years of non-playoff baseball was like unthinkable my entire life. So to get back and do and do so, you know, objectively a year early is fun. Yeah, I mean, nobody expected them to be there this year, and they're there this year, and I know people are not going to be happy if things do not go according to plan, and it's three or four and done, but everyone has to remember, like, the team lost 90 games three years in a row. They've stunk. They've been terrible, and now they're here. Nobody expected this at all. If, if you said seriously going into the season the Braves are going to make the playoffs, you're a liar. <laughs> and I mean, now they're here, they're back. It's fun, and I am incredibly nervous once again. Yeah, it's, it's, there's time for nerves. They're they're going to come. Uh, I'm sure Twitter will be a very very interesting place uh, during, before, and after uh, what transpires beginning on October 4th. But uh, until then, we'll enjoy it and preview things and talk about the stuff. But you know, you reached out to me uh, kind of in a funny way on Twitter, like, hey, I'm coming on. I'm like, yeah, you're coming on. Joe, let's do this thing. You've been on the podcast. We're going to have some fun. And you lend a different perspective because, you know, we're all 
we're all in it. I mean, you're in it more as much as everybody else is, but you do cover the, the league at large, so it's interesting to have that extra extra perspective. And you and you don't live here. I was I, I, sort of weirdly, it was nice to have you and Scott on this podcast. Neither one of you, you know, probably more than almost anybody, are like known for being Braves fans that aren't in Atlanta. So it's like nice to have you both and kind of have that perspective and the different sides of it. And just a reminder that this is it's still a national brand for people that are my age or so. Um, if you grew up on TBS, like that's what happens, and that's why the fan base is huge. And that's why Talking Chop does huge numbers, and we do a great job, and you know all that, our guys do great. But at the same time, just there's a lot of Braves fans everywhere, and it's uh, good to be reminded of that every once in a while. Yeah, there really are, and I mean, I've been following this team in a professional way, I guess you'd say, for close to ten years now, and I mean, it would it would it would be kind of cool for them to play the Dodgers in the first round, since I live an hour-ish south of Dodger Stadium. I could theoretically end up going to some of the games if I really wanted to put myself through that, but you know, it's it's so it's so cool that this is happening and we're all here and oh man it, it, it's, <laughs> it really is overwhelming yeah it's very cool um and hopefully we'll have some uh some more celebratory stuff to talk about in the next couple of weeks uh, if nothing else we'll have plenty of interesting content to be sure on the podcast and elsewhere uh joe i appreciate it man please plug yourself and your stuff because i know you'll have plenty of baseball coverage braves and otherwise in the coming days yeah, I'm the managing editor of Awful Announcing. Check us out, awfulannouncing.com. And I also am the uh, main news editor for The Comeback at thecomeback.com. And I've kind of taken over uh, MLB features and that kind of thing as well. So heading into the playoffs, I'm sure we're going to have a fair bit of hashtag content coming your way. <laughs> yeah, sleep, sleep is for the week. Uh, I know that. There will not be a lot of sleep and a lot of rest over the next you know month plus for you. Um, so uh, my uh, my encouragement, just know, know that I'm here if you need anything. Was we'll have we'll have a lot of, we'll have fun together. It'll be a lot of late nights. Yes, we will. I'm actually like I'm like I'm kicking around the idea of like maybe flying out for a game, but flight prices are kind of laughable for two nights. So yeah, I can see that not being especially this close. It's tough to just pull the trigger on like a week and a half from now. You know, it's like it's usually gonna be inside that window where prices jump like and they like double and it's not fun. So I'm, I, a, uh, I'm, I'm with you. The bright side, when I finally do get to SunTrust next year, it's not going to be like misery dragging through the stadium. It's going to be actually fun. Yeah, I mean, Scott came for the first time this week and was like, I felt bad and. We, we didn't talk about it as much as I probably wanted to, but it's like, all right, Scott, I wish you picked a different week. We would have done like 30 minutes on your experience at the ballpark, but they won the division this week, so we have to talk about that instead. <laughs> so, yeah. Yes, I'll, absolutely. I'll welcome, you, I'll welcome you to town when that happens, so you let me know when you're coming, and we'll, we'll, do, we'll do it up big. I'm super excited. Hopefully, uh, I'm you know wearing like world champions gear because that would be pretty cool. That's a good way to end it, just uh, on some big dreams. Uh, but uh, thank you. Uh, thank you, Joe, man. I appreciate it. Please follow Joe uh, on Twitter and on on the comeback and awful announcing and all that fun stuff. Follow Talking Chop as well. We'll be here throughout, as we've talked about plenty of times. But uh, that's the best place for Braves coverage, in my humble opinion. And uh, we will see you guys uh, next week. 